everyone, and welcome to History Talks. We are a group of speakers in Southern California, a group of wonderful authors. Please feel free to follow our channel. It's our first panel. It is Loving Historical Fiction, and I have some wonderful authors here with me tonight. Uh, would you please introduce yourselves? I'm Zena Marie Yule. I write uh, historical romance and some fantasy, too. I'm Autumn Bardot. I write historical fiction, historical erotica, and urban fantasy. I'm Zenobia Neal, and I write historical fantasy, historical fiction, and about gods having too much fun. Hi, I'm Linda McLaughlin. I write historical and Regency romance and um, steamy Victorian and paranormal romance. And I am the moderator. I am Erin Davies. I am the blogger behind Historical Fiction Reader, and I am very excited to be talking historical romance tonight. So my first question is, as a genre, how does historical romance differ from traditional historical fiction? Well, in a romance, this relationship, the developing relationship takes center stage and everything else is subplot. And, and, but in historical fiction, the main the plot is more historical and any romance is a subplot. And that's actually optional. <laughs> historical romance has this wonderful, happily ever after ending. It's the HEA. And it's really what the romance industry demands of a romance is that HEA happily ever after. And so you can have the romance or you can have romance in your historical fiction. You have romance in your historical fiction. You don't necessarily need the happily ever after. You can have it. You can also have something super surprising that's not so happy or something that's really good and still satisfying. If you write historical romance, you better have a happily ever after or you're going to be in big trouble with your readers. I think, though, in historical romance, you can have kind of a whole range of, you know, maybe it's more uh, historically dense. It's more of a setting, you know, as long as, like uh, Linda said, the romance is at the core of, of the book. If you took the romance out, you wouldn't have uh, a story. <laughs> so what inspired you to write historical romance novels? And what, why do these themes appeal to you as authors? Well, I was drawn to write historical romance because I love studying history and writing and reading historical romance is as close as I can get to time traveling. So if I'm going to write, I want there to be a romantic element because it's very exciting. I like that. I love some romance in all genres. Like I just want that element of the love interest. And so I write what I like to read. And I like the relationship between lovers because it's also like it's complex. It, it's nuanced. It adds like another layer to a story. It's a lot of fun for a writer to delve into, especially as a way through the relationship to explore both characters through the relationship. In real life, I tell my students and my own daughter, it's not what your significant other says, it's what they do that matters, that tells you what their real feelings are. And so I think readers will pick up the, the juxtaposition of what the character says versus what they do. And I think that's kind of what makes it really interesting. They'll be like, hey, wait a minute, he says he doesn't need her, but he's going out of, her, out of his way for her. I mean, I might be biased as a reader, but I definitely find that appealing. <laughs> what about you, Linda? Well, I fell in love with history at a very young age. My grandmother had been a school teacher, and she used to tell me stories about 
our family and our ancestors who settled the Western Pennsylvania frontier and one who fought the Civil War. So I got interested in history at a really young age, but my favorite historical books are always the ones that had a strong love interest in them. And so that's what I wanted to write. Can't blame me there. How about you, Zena? I mean, history has always been, you know, like a big love of mine, so much so that, you know, I got my education in it. Just historical romance just kind of came naturally to me, but um, I tend to write, um, you know, my fantasy also has historical um, elements to it, but with the historical romance tends, uh, I tend to write it, you know, more humorous, fun, and adventurous, whereas fantasy is uh, more dark and twisty, uh, you know, more plot intensive and, and everything. You know, that's kind of how I got around to it. <laughs> that works however you get here, right? <laughs> Historical romances can run the gamut from like light and sweet to really steamy. Where do your novels fall? Mine kind of span the spectrum to some extent. I've written some um, sweet, some sensual, and, and steamy. And I used to write erotic romance, with, but my publisher folded, and so that was that. <laughs> Unfortunate reality, huh? I really love, like, you talked about the romance and stuff, and I always feel a bit cheated in a novel when they said like they closed the bedroom door I want that peak maybe more of a peek into their bedroom I I don't know that's just the way I am right so I like to give my readers a peek into the bedroom door so I have a pretty pretty big peak I have my historical fiction it's a pretty long peak <laughs> so it would be maybe r-rated um, my historical erotica it's not just a peak you're in bed with them. <laughs> no mystery to be had here. <laughs> like Autumn, I also uh, like giving readers a peek. I feel like if we're going to be going on this journey where we're like time traveling and having fun, we might as well have all kinds of fun um, and kind of give into those voyeuristic desires that some people have. So my, my books are, are a lot more steamy than they are sweet. Um, I do enjoy that that journey and also enjoy um, the sexual fluidity that the ancient world offers. So a lot of my characters are what would now be called bi or pansexual, but in the ancient world, they're just like regular people who were doing regular things in their, in their world. And that's one of the things that's really interesting to me about looking at different time periods is like what was considered normal or average or the standard. Though I really enjoy like delving into that more. Yeah, interesting and important. Representation is great, no matter when you can get it into a story. Well, mine are um, more of the sweet and clean uh, variety. So um, there is kind of a lot of controversy in what, you know, what does that mean? Sweet and clean. Clean tends to be, you know, more on the strict end of things. And sweet has a little bit of you know, play, play with <laughs> kissing and, uh, you know, various making out and things like that. But in general, it is, um, you know, maybe some kissing and some innuendo, but um, no uh, bedroom scenes. I just find that uh, for myself as a writer, it's just, it, it's just more fun for me. I like to write about uh, adventure and humor and you know banter and sometimes really ridiculous situations that play into the humor and it's not something that i'm feel like i'm really good at is 
you know, getting into the you know bedroom scenes and the erotica. Whereas, you know, a lot of people, a lot of uh, other writers, like some of them here, uh, are very talented when it comes to writing about that. And, and that's great. I mean, there's, there's room for everything in romance. There's a huge, huge market for clean and sweet romance. Just yeah. a massive market. And that's the beauty of romance. You can take your pick, whatever you want that day. Yes. Yes. Whatever you're in the mood for. <laughs> I think you're reading my mind because, you know, as a reader, some days I want that light and sweet. And sometimes I want to see me read. It's just kind of up in the air. And the diversity in this genre is just fantastic. Before we get to going too far to the next question, I want to take a minute. And I think Autumn and Zenobia are probably the best suited to answer this question. But where's the line? How hot do you get before it's erotica? Autumn, do you want to go first? Erotica is you are in their skin. You are feeling what they're feeling, smelling, tasting. You are in their body. So it's as it's a vicarious experience for the reader. And I think with R rated, it's a little less so. You get that titillation, you you get that ooh kind of thing. But in erotica, you're right there doing it with them. You're right there in their skin. All you get all the feels, all the sensations. Um, I think that's a great, great way to describe it. I mean, I can't help but thinking about some of the writing we do, like a camera, you know, like how close is the how close does the camera get? I feel like it, you know, when it's when it's erotic, it's right there. And when it's like less so, it kind of backs up a little bit. And then also, you know, you can you can imply a lot. And it's not erotica, it can be romance, or you can be like very specific. And when I first started writing, I kind of thought that erotica had to have like very graphic terminology. Later, I changed my mind. The terminology needs to work for that time period. So that's something that has been really a fun challenge in historical romance is finding the right words to describe things without using our modern terminology. I think that's a struggle across the entire <laughs> historical fiction genre, finding yeah. the right words. A lot of times what an erotic author writes, and even like an R-rated author writes, we can write something in such a way that the, we leave it up to the reader's own imagination. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the more innocent reader will see one thing in their mind. And the more sexually adventurous experienced reader will see something totally different. And so when you write those steamy scenes, it's what they see that often, you know, you're thinking one thing and a very sexually experienced reader might go, oh, 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 I know what they did. And all you gave was like a little tiny hint of something. Sounds like a really awesome less is more type approach yeah. to writing those type of scenes. Mm -hmm. I admit I kind of appreciate it, but I'm just a reader. What are the biggest challenges when it comes to writing historical romance? Biggest challenge for me is the research because I love it so much and I'm so fascinated by it. And I can just read book after book after, uh, you know, book just get lost in that whole uh, world. So, um, you know, you have to get to a point where it's enough information so you can actually start writing, <laughs> you know, if you keep researching forever, you don't ever get anything done. So, you know, there has to be a balance. 
think the research rabbit hole is everybody's like pain point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think it's kind of, um, you know, it's, it's why we like historical uh, fiction so much. You know, when I was in college, I majored in history, not in creative writing or English, because history is made of stories. And that's why I'm fascinated by it. It's also going to be one of our next panel discussions, correct? That's right. That's right. Teasers right here at History Talks. That's right. <laughs> what about you, Linda? What are the struggles and challenges that you face writing historical romance? Part of it is related to the research and it's getting the details right because there's so many things you have to research. It's not just the general overview of the period, but you've got to know what they wore, how they, the forms of transportation, how they would get from point A to point B, what kind of stuff would they have in their homes, and, and were the social mores of the time, because one of the things that'll pull you out of a story really fast is a character acting too modern. That's part of it and avoiding the modern slang and phrases. And the, and the thing I've noticed is the, the thing that trips you up is always the thing you didn't think you had to research. I've <laughs> heard that from several authors. It's the thing, the one thing that author or readers will find in the text when they're reading. Yeah, and the thing you thought you knew, but you were wrong. <laughs> There's always that one reader who knows something about, you know, ink in the 1700s and what it was composed of. Like continuing with that idea, it's also a matter of balancing like what you know with like modern uh, interpretation. The Tiffany paradox, right, where Tiffany was a common what medieval name, but nobody's going to believe it. So it's like you might actually find something out that's actually true but people are going to have a hard time believing it. You have to decide, do I want to spend time setting this up or just, you know, call her a name that is more believable as a middle, a medieval name or something like that. So, I mean, I think that there's like, you find out so much information and then you're like, okay, but how does this serve my characters in the story? If you're writing about a time period that people have a lot of preconceived ideas about, and I like to think about, um, hopefully this isn't getting too off topic, but I like, I like to think about like our modern like tabloid magazines. And if archeologists were to look at them and make assumptions about our culture, like all people who lived in America thought like this, dressed like this, looked like this, you know? And so it's just like, cause that's what we're doing with a lot of the stuff. There's that whole thing that the shoes that are left from like the Victorian period, everything's tiny because people didn't wear that size. Like the what the things that got left over that weren't destroyed were the ones that weren't worn that often. So that's why they're still existing. But we're like, everybody was so small. And I mean, people were smaller, but it's just like these kind of assumptions. Like one of my favorite things about this genre is its capacity to highlight something you thought you knew mm -hmm. and reframe it and, and challenge you to grow your own imagination and understanding of the past. It's just a wonderful genre for that. Yeah, the way it changes your perspective. I mean, it is like I said time traveling earlier, but it is like traveling to a different country when you go to a different country and something you always took for granted it could be like the light switch goes like this or anything. You're suddenly like, whoa, I didn't think about that. Or, you mean Shakespeare wouldn't understand my English? Right. 
What about you, Adam? What are your challenges? Of course, you know, historical romance or romance in, in historicals are really mostly woman focused, right? It tends to be more written, written by women. And I think for that, the challenge is finding the, um, the sweet spot between a strong woman and a woman whose strength blossoms with the right man a relationship that compels the woman to kind of leave her comfort zone and to be everything she was meant to be. I only write about strong women who come into their strength and courage and personal power through like the course of the story. And I write like that because I like to read it, one. But I think for a lot of women, it's because we don't actually come into our own personal strength until we've, you know, life has thrown a lot of stuff at us. And then we kind of get our own personal power together. And so that's why I like to write about it. We have strong men in stories and we, we're okay with that. But a woman can be strong and powerful and loving. They're not mutually exclusive. So I think the challenge for me at least, and when you have that strong woman character is to find that, that balance. And it's also a great opportunity too, to find the relationship and how perhaps the significant others are their cheerleaders who are catalysts into them overcoming their weaknesses to be their most authentic selves. I think that's that's the challenge I find is to show the strong woman or the woman emerging into her strength and yet building upon that relationship. Yeah, you hit on two of the things that I personally look for as a reader. Um, when we, we talk about strong women, I see that less seasoned writers have a tendency to weaken their men to make their women look strong. And I think it's important to send that message that woman is not strong simply because the men she's around are weak. And I also like that you talked about this emotional intimacy. There's something about that that is really appealing, even in a strong woman, just being intimate with someone and being vulnerable does not convey weakness. I think that's important, especially in this genre. What are the greatest misconceptions you feel there are about historical romance? I feel kind of guilty because when I first started reading historical romance, I kind of fell into this mindset that there wasn't that much research done. And when I was just reading a historic, just reading, when I was reading a historical romance, it was like, I loved it, but I was like, oh, she didn't really research this. And of course she had, but it was kind of what I was talking about earlier of like my misconceptions about something didn't match up with what she did. I think it was calling like the king, it wasn't sire, it was like Lord or something. And at that time, I'm sure that that's what they did. But I was like, this is so weird, you know? So I feel like uh, because it's romance and because romance is often a genre that's put down, there's an idea like, oh, it's just a bodice ripper or, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that in my opinion, but a lot of the research that people do doesn't get seen. I feel like that that's one misconception. And um, the other is that all historical romance is Regency, which is a huge part of historical romance, but we provide many, many centuries, millennia of uh, stories as well. Blame Jane Austen. She started a trend. We've never gotten over it. I mean, the costumes are fantastic and I totally get it. Like I see the appeal now that I've watched Bridgerton. Um. <laughs> Most of the country agrees with you. Yeah. We've seen the light. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> and it's a, it's a bodice ripper, but it's him taking off his shirt. <laughs>
Well, I agree with her too, that about the research that when I was working on my first one, I was working in the library and whenever it was quiet at the desk, I would be pouring through the history books. And one of the other librarians said to me one day, you know, I used to think romance authors didn't do any research, but I'm really impressed by what you're doing. <laughs> so a little educational moment there for him. <laughs> but if you've written the story right, the research doesn't show. It's seem just a seamless part of the story. Mm -hmm. But it's true that romance doesn't get any respect. It's the redheaded stepchild of literature. And I think it's because it's a genre written primarily by and for women. And it's also another misconception is that romance is unrealistic because, you know, sci-fi and fantasy are so realistic. <laughs> so. Great point. Great point. <laughs> what about you, Adam? There's such a wide range of historical fiction, right? So some stories I have read, I feel like, I'm in the story, but the language is so awkward and archaic that I'm pulled out of the story because I'm trying to figure out what the heck they're saying. But we have a wide range. And so before I actually even like wrote it, I actually looked at some of my favorite authors to see how they were handling the language aspect of that historical romance. And I think one of that misconceptions is you've got that old timey language. And so you feel out of place in there and like a, like a bystander, like you're in another country and listening to them talk another language. So I think in a lot of ways, an author has to have that balancing act um, in terms of not just the language, the words, but the actions that they do. So for me, the best historical fiction is like, I just feel like I'm right there and I get it and I'm part of it. If it feels too modern, like a modern phrase, or they're doing something that you're like, they didn't do that back then, right? It pulls you right out of the story. I like a historical that is still giving me the sense of time and place without making me feel like an outsider in terms of language, you know, that transports me right there. And so I want to tell like a quick story because I wanted to, I wanted to test this out, the language, especially the portion of the language. And so I used a phrase that everybody knows from Pride and Prejudice, which is, I am all astonishment. I don't know if you remember that line. It's a great line. And so I, it's a great line. I thought, well, do other people like, will they get what that means? So I used it on my daughter. I can't remember what it was. It was just for something random. And I said, I am all astonishment. And she looked at me and she kind of cocked her head. Now, she'd never read Jane Austen or Pride and Prejudice or even saw the fabulous, you know, eight hour A&E series, right? <laughs> and she looked at me, she goes, oh, oh, I love that phrase. I am all astonishment. So some, some language transcends time and still seems cool. I don't think you can argue with anything from Jane Austen. She she really was a genius. I mean, far more than just classic lit. What about you, Zena? We've mentioned a couple of times here that historical romance is, you know, written mostly by women and for women. And it's been really trivialized um, because of that. I guess because men have had the main power in publishing and whatnot, uh, for so long that, you know, men's interests are acceptable and it's okay to have like a Rambo-like, you know, really violent things. But for women, which um, is, they kind of poo-poo it and it's kind of like the female, you know, version of porn. I think that's really not fair because, you know, the, there's a whole landscape of emotion 
and intimacy that is apart from sex, even in, in erotica, of how we make connections as human beings and how we, uh, you know, pair up and mate and have children and um, just all these uh, interactions that romance is so um, skilled at, at bringing out. I, I would just really love to see that given more respect. I love how that kind of dovetails with what Linda said earlier about the success of the romance genre and how it doesn't get respect despite its its obvious um, appeal. There is something about emotional intimacy and this genre taps into it and makes history interesting for its capturing of those human emotions. And unlike other subgenres of historical fiction, romance is key. It, it's just so timeless and so universal that it doesn't matter what you're writing, you can make it work. Okay, so my next question is kind of selfish. Um, I am a devotee of this genre. I have read historical fiction for the better part of the last 15 years, almost exclusively. And it is because I picked up a historical romance at one point in my life. <laughs> it's probably a little above my age bracket at the time, but that's okay. It was fabulous and I've never looked back. Uh, that that kind of gateway book was Elizabeth Chadwick's The Champion. So I need to ask, what are your favorite romance authors and what are your favorite books by them? You know, you mentioned your first romance book and my first romance book was by Catherine, Catherine Woodweiss, Woodweiss. And I remember the cover very vividly. And it's always one of those whenever I go into used bookstores, I look for that book because I want that book. And, and it was the bodice ripper and it was, it was great. I loved it. For me, I love authors like Margaret George, Lisa C and Michelle Moran because they don't focus so much on the, on the romance part of it, but more on like the woman's journey. I, I like that. And it's about like the, these women are too busy, like raising armies or staying alive or, you know, that kind of stuff. And so the relationship becomes this, side thing that evolves with them as they go on their own personal journey. And then it grows into that rock solid love, which we always like the rock solid love right at the end. That's where you want like, yes, that's really cool. That's kind of why I like those, those kinds of novels. I, I suddenly feel awesome for having my husband pour wine while I'm on a book chat. It's like, here's your journey on books and I'm going to just facilitate. That's <laughs> romantic. Exactly. So <laughs> shout out to my husband. Mm -hmm. What about you, Zena? Some of my, um, I have to say, Kathleen Woodowis, um was one of my first um, experiences. And she had a book, uh, she, I think it was Shauna uh, was the name. It was like a, a orange cover or whatever. I mean, I, I just devoured all, all of those. Um, I liked to read um, Joanna Lindsay, Jude Devereaux. I think they were kind of from that, maybe a little bit later than that. But uh, Laura Kinzale, she has, uh, she tends to write, um, you know, densely uh, historical pieces, but they're also very emotional. And I really like, like her work. And also, um, one of my favorites is Loretta Chase wrote uh, Lord of Scoundrels, which is just so uh, delightful and funny especially at the beginning. One, one of the reasons why I began writing uh, humorous 
historical romances is I would find that, you know, the beginning of the relationship, often it's really funny and everything, but then it gets to a point where it's like, okay, now we're, we're serious, we're kissing, we're going to have sex. And then the fun just kind of, you know, transforms. Well, I want the fun all along. <laughs> so that's what I, what I try. That's my little spin on it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. You're, you're killing my TBR here. I'm taking notes and looking at books that I need to obviously read. <laughs> what about you, Linda? I like Loretta also. And Lord of Scoundrels was amazing. And I love the part where she shot him. <laughs> Don't give it away. <laughs> it's, well, you, you have to read why and everything because it's really, really great. Yeah, I loved her. And Jude Devereaux was a favorite for years. And Mary Jo Putney is another one. Um, Julia, yes, I do like Bridgerton, and then Barbara Metzger's Regencies make me laugh out loud, and I read them over and over. Favorite is A Loyal Companion, and part of it, it has the dog's point of view. <laughs> it's so funny. It's awesome. That's a really funny book. That sounds amazing. What's the shooting reference, the History Talks version of Who Shot J.R.? Just asking. <laughs> I get points for knowing that it was before my time. <laughs> what about you, Zenobia? I think I like more historical or historical with romantic elements. I've read more of those kinds of books. Although I've read Sarah McLean and that's really great too. It's also funny and, um, and also very entertaining. Even though this isn't a traditional historical romance writer, I feel like I was very inspired by Anne Rice in my early days as a teenager. And so that's kind of somebody who really pulled me in. And then about seven years ago, a friend of mine was like, you've got to read this book called Outlander. Maybe it was like 10 years ago. So I started reading it and I was like 50 pages and I was like, oh, 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 it's like that. <laughs> so I really enjoyed at least the first two or three books. And then I was like, I need to stop because my Spartan characters are all talking with Scottish accents. And, um, I just need to let that go <laughs> but I loved the I loved reading the books and I loved the tv show that's hilarious and awesome I gotta say I am never gonna say no to Scottish accent I don't care where they or when they existed so on that note every reader I know has a crush on an uh, character that they have read about who are your literary crushes how about Xena Mentioning Bridgerton, I am uh, most of the way through it right now. So uh, I think the Duke is just the cat's meow. Um, but also, uh, I really love uh, Dorothy Dennett. She wrote The Lymond uh, Chronicles, which was, uh, I think, a series of six books. Um, started in the 60s. And they are more... Um, historical romance in the traditional uh, meaning of it, which is an adventure of the heart and mind and not specifically male and female or whatever like we, we think of it today. And the main character, um, Francis Lymond, is the like ideal Renaissance man. He's athletic, he's brilliant, you know, he does, <laughs> he does art, he does uh, politics. Um, but he's so charming that everybody who um, is in his orbit either falls madly in love with him or wants to kill him. So I, I find him um, just, so, you know, he's just like at the pinnacle of romantic heroes for me. 
love him or kill him. There's just nothing in the middle, huh? There isn't. There's nothing. He's got that that kind of charm, <laughs> that effect on people. What about you, Zenobia? Jamie is the only redhead I've been attracted to. And um, this is totally cheating since I haven't read the books, but I just thought about Uthrid, son of Uthrid. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, I can just walk around saying Uthrid, son of Uthrid all the time. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll vouch for you, it's a legitimate crush. Yeah, <laughs> super big crush. I'm not so thrilled with his more recent hairstyles, but I'm willing to overlook it. I hear that's you. fair, that's, that's fair. He's what about you, Linda? More scars as time goes on, he's getting more scarred up. <laughs> yeah, and that's okay. Scars are super hot in historical romance. Okay, <laughs> there are more stories. Okay, every scar has one. Yeah, true. What about you, Linda? Well, of Jane Austen's, my favorite is Captain Wentworth from Persuasion, and I really loved the movie version with Amanda Root and Kiaren Hines. I've never seen two actors do so much just with lingering looks. It was just amazing. It's a beautiful movie. And the book is so emotional. I love that. Another favorite was Reggie Davenport from Mary Jo Putney's The Rake, and which is a great example of a character arc. Reggie is a charming alcoholic ne'er-do-well at the beginning of the book. <laughs> And then he meets a woman estate manager who dresses like a man. And so it's a great combination of characters. It's just a wonderful book. So I really enjoyed that. So what about you, Autumn? Hands down, no contest. I have three. One, of course, Jamie from Outlander because... Right, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Darcy from Pride and Prejudice. And I also love John from Game of Thrones. They're strong men who love deeply... And they prove their love with actions, not words. So, so I really like that about them. And then, of course, of their dialogue, you, you just want to like haul off and smack them because maybe that's just me, but <laughs> because they're so obstinate or stubborn, right? But, you know, they love their woman. They, they stay in love. They're a better or for worse kind of man. They apologize, but their apology is like, it's not overly dramatic. It's just like sincere and from the heart. So I really like that about them. And the other thing that I really like about them is that they're, they're just in, there's just enough of the boy in them to make them endearing and interesting, but not annoying. And can I add that those three have such integrity all the time too. Freaking John swearing his heart to the Night's Watch, you know? And then, you know, being like, I must, you know, keep this vow. Yeah. And Jamie too, just is like so devout in his love. It's great. I think I it's love- a lot about the woman mm-hmm. who she chooses as her, you know, her fictional heartthrob. It says a lot about what the woman values. Mm. Good point. I-, I love that you all mention characters that are somehow flawed. Like they don't have to be perfect. And I mean, that's even cool for men who venture into this genre to realize that they don't have to be this spotless knight in shining armor (laughs) and they can still be amazing. Oh yeah, Sir Nicholas from Jude Devereux's Knight in Shining Armor, he was great too. (laughs) I loved it when he time traveled to to, um, to the toilet and how to work the light switch and all that. (laughs) That was a really fun one. Yeah, I feel compelled to just mention Mr. Rochester and Gilbert Blythe, just because people are going to watch this and go, why were those characters not mentioned? 
<laughs> so shout out to, to both. But with that, I think we've come to the end of our discussion. I want to thank you all for joining us again tonight and um, thank all of our viewers out there for tuning in. See you next time. Thanks, Erin. Bye. 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 Bye.